Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites, a podcast for busy Catholics. This is Father Conrad, and after a long hiatus, um, we are back. And uh, our guest today is Father Rob Adams from Kentucky. Father Rob, welcome to the Catholic Bites podcast, or welcome back to the Catholic Bites podcast. Thanks, Father Conrad. Yeah, I used to help out with Catholic Bites 60 seconds, so it's cool to be on the, the official slot now. We'll see if you can talk for longer than 60 seconds. That will be the, the key for this um, <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's good to have you back. Did you ever help out with like the really early Catholic bites, like way back in the day, or or just sixty seconds? I did sixty seconds, yeah, and I I did it right when I finished up in Rome, like in twenty seventeen. And I did it for a couple of years actually, while I was a parochial vicar, and then uh, while staying in the same assignment, we kind of we kind of fell away. Good. Well, we're good. To, glad to have you back. You're really an interesting person, uh, and and that isn't meant to be derogatory. Um, uh, but <laughs> <is> so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and and one of the things that you you have a great love for the Eastern Church, and one of the things that um we were talking about off air that we want to talk about today is this guy who I've been wanting to read for a while, mainly because of his name. Like I've always wanted to read Fulgentius of Ruspi too, because of his name. But like uh, Avagrius of Pontus, who is he, and what are we going to talk about about him? So yeah, Vigorous Apontis is a, uh, he's a desert father. So he's one of these early, early monastics who lived by himself in the desert and wrote down his, his thoughts on the spiritual life. Um, it's interesting when you read Vagrius because he has a very mixed history in terms of his theological orthodoxy. Uh, he's, he's generally regarded in, um, kind of the orthodox world and i mean that in the capital o orthodox world like the eastern, eastern orthodox yeah eastern orthodox um he's regarded as being an originist so a follower of origin oh and, interesting right right so we know that saint sabbas one of the early monastic fathers of the east was not particularly pleased with him or sabbas's followers were not particularly pleased with him but once again we don't really know what they meant by originism. It could mean a whole lot of things, and there's not really a defined heresy that can kind of pin them down. But even with that being said, his thoughts on the spiritual life are really, really good. And they they kind of, they're one of those things that just sounds true when you hear them. <laughs> truth is reflected back like a mirror. Nice. And and just to be clear, Origen, we don't need to talk too much more about Origen, but Origen was a church father as well from Alexandria, who um, uh, he he's one of these church fathers who doesn't have a saint in front of his name because some people didn't like some of the things he said. But my favorite little fun fact, and we'll just take this little digression because it's fun. My favorite fun fact about Origen is he thought that the resurrected body would be absolutely perfect, which meant spherical. And so I always like make the joke when I've had too much ice cream that I'm just working on my origin um, resurrected body. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You're in shape. Round exactly. is a shape. <laughs> Round is definitely in shape. So let's get back to Vagrius and, and to like real spiritual thought. Um, uh, we, we were talking about he has a book about uh, Achadia and despondency. Why don't you say what is Achadia? I don't think that's a word that that many of our listeners knows. And, and, and what's the what's the main kind of uh, thrust of his argument? Sure. Well, the the seven deadly sins are generally regarded as being deadly, not because they themselves are all mortal sins. There are mortal sins in all seven of mm -hmm. the seven deadly sins, mm -hmm. but they're regarded as the deadly sins because they're the sins that give birth to all the other ones. Mm -hmm. Now, the word that asadia, we translate it in English a lot of times as sloth. 
So you might have heard the, the sin of sloth mm -hmm. or maybe kind of colloquially recalled laziness. Mm -hmm. And that's not actually what the word means. Mm -hmm. So when the fathers talked about struggling with the demon of Asadia, it was more what we would call sadness or melancholy, despondency, despair, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and so when we hear about it that way, laziness is a symptom. It's not the sin itself. Mm. And he's got a really cool little framework to talk about how someone falls into this sin. Because traditionally, not just in the Eastern churches, but also in our Western Roman tradition, Sadia is one of the sins that's generally regarded as a danger for the devout, mm. not for everybody else. This is a danger that the devout fall into. Hmm. Why is that? Why is it the, the, something that mainly devout people uh, would, would seem to fall into? Well, it, it has to do with the beginning of the sin. So the asadia always begins, in, in the thought of Evagrius, with an event. So it happens where you, as the Christian, or as the man created in the image and likeness of God, you feel cut off from your vocation for some hmm. reason. This can either be because of your own sin, and spoiler alert, it's always because of your own sin, because we all <laughs> sin, right? Nobody lives out their vocation the way they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. But it can also be because of things that happen to you. Mm -hmm. So let's take, for example, you have a sister in a convent. We're just making mm -hmm. somebody up. Yeah. And the sister in a convent, her parents get sick and she can't go visit them. Mm -hmm. The superior is just rude to her. Her apostolate is very unfulfilling. She kind of has a perfect storm of things that aren't going well in her life. And when you add in the normal sins that everybody commits and that individuals fall into, you have this experience of being cut off from God, cut off from the way you're supposed to be. Mm. And when that happens, we hate that. This is, yeah. this is like a very frustrating situation to be in. So it requires, in a certain sense, a, a knowledge and understanding of, of where you're called to be and, and the kind of the depth that you're called to be, as opposed to, you know, just kind of being lazy about praying. It's, it's a, a sense of, oh, no, I, I see kind of the, what the vocation is or where I'm, where I'm meant to be, where I, I'm meant to be with God, and I see myself falling short of that. And I hate it. That's the thing. So, and, and Evagrius makes this really cool point, and if you've ever struggled with this sin, uh, and I think a lot of devout people do. That's mm -hmm. a that's a personal belief I've come to. But I find that a lot of devout people have a hard time because they don't know what this sin is mm. and what it does. So you may not feel this experience of being cut off from God. You may not even know it, but you can know it by its symptoms. And he has he says there's two big symptoms that somebody struggling with this sin falls into. He says the first one is we want everything that we can't have. We mm. desire the impossible. So this is a, a classic case of a priest is having a hard time. So he says, well, man, if I was just married or man, if, if I could just go out with this girl or man, if, if uh, I had a new assignment, that mm -hmm. kind of thing, right? You want the impossible. The grass is always greener on the other side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Vagrius says, this is where we fall into sins of gluttony and lust. And it's because we're, we're trying to numb the pain, right? Mm -hmm. You're trying to, we feel sad. And we can't even quite put our finger on like why I'm having such a bad time. Mm -hmm. And so the natural human tendency is to say, well, I, I want to have a good time. And if I had these other things, maybe I would be happy. And here's what I find is really interesting. When you're talking to devout people and they start struggling with sins of temperance, let's call them, mm -hmm. uh, 
they think that the sin of temperance is the end point. Mm -hmm. And now you can look back and say like, oh, no, 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 no. You're mad at your vocation or you're having a hard time with God. Let's let's rewind a little bit, right? Yeah, I, I find it fascinating too how much of that is tied up with pride as well. Like mm -hmm. uh, this sense of I should be better because I like deep down, I know I, 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 sh I should be able to do this. And then when I am not able to do it, then this sadness and this hatred of myself and of my my situation yep. kind of comes in, you know? Yes. And that's a great, that's a great move to where he goes for, for point two here. Mm -hmm. So remember point one, he says you fall into these sins of, of, of intemperance and, and trying to numb it. That's where most people stop mm -hmm. and they say, oh, okay, I can't, you know, I, I can't do these things. I got to stop drinking. I got to get my life together. I got to do this or this. And then it doesn't really work. And we mm -hmm. get back into that situation you're talking about. And this is the second symptom I think is fascinating. He says, we want everything we can't have, and then we hate everything that we do. Mm. So if you're married, you hate your spouse, your children drive you crazy. If you're a priest, your parish and all things about priesthood are the worst. Mm. Anytime somebody calls the office, you go into a mood, right? Um, saying Sunday mass is awful, right? And I know that that can sound that can sound kind of strange, but I think a lot of priests can understand the feeling there, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you get this anger, and you have to to tackle the sin. You have to go after both the desire for the impossible mm -hmm. and the anger at what is possible. You have well, that, to get both. That, that's a great point to like lest we lest we leave people just on on diagnosing the sin. What does Evagrius give a good like summation of of how to how to combat this sin and how to how to approach it? Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, he he reminds you that fight, fighting this sin is the most important thing you can do mm. because, like, when you defeat other sins, like temptations against purity or temptations against uh, gluttony or whatever, like you just kind of feel like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't sin, and that's kind of it. Mm -hmm. He said, when you defeat Asadia, your life gets back on track. It's kind of like when you get healthy, you start working out and lose weight, you just feel better generally. Mm -hmm. So he says the way to get to this place is you have to go three things. The first, you have to go at both prongs of the sin. Mm -hmm. So you have to fast. Mm -hmm. When you desire things that you shouldn't have or can't have, the solution is not to give in as much as you're allowed, right? Like, well, this isn't a sin if I go this far. No, 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 no. You actually need to pump the brakes in the opposite direction, mm. right? Like you need to say, no, I, I need to do less pleasure right now because I'm in a mood. Yeah. And then the other thing he says is you actually have to practice love. If you don't practice love with your fasting, you're just going to be bitter and angry. And if you don't practice fasting with your love, it's not going to mean anything. You're not going to get your life together. Interesting. And, and um, so I guess the, the, the practical thing is to you first to, to recognize that this is happening. Like, I think that's probably like you mentioned, one of the, the things that prevents people from getting better is they just don't understand and, and they just see the symptoms and don't understand what the cause is. And then to a, approach it systematically. And um, I would say too, I would think, you know, not to add to Evagrius, but I'm sure he would agree. <laughs> like humility is probably pretty essential in all of this as well too. He actually won't let you pray a certain way 
until you've gotten over the sin. He actually requires the humility. So he says you have to pray, right? Mm -hmm. Prayer is the number one thing you have to do. But he actually probably would say not to do like a holy hour or something if you're struggling with this sin. Um, he actually says that it's displeasing to God because you are presenting an idol in your mm -hmm. mind. And he's got it's all this Greek about what image and and uh, what we would consider impressions on the mind. Mm -hmm. In Greek, those are idol and icon, mm. right? So two images that are very connected to worship. Um, so he says, though, the person struggling with the sin actually needs to practice short bursts of prayer and not, yeah, because you need, he says, the goal is to get to compunction, to get to sadness about your sins and not about yourself. Wow, that's a great distinction to think of. That's fantastic. Well, um, we will have to cut it short there, and hopefully that won't lead to too much sadness on, on <laughs> behalf of our listeners. But um, we will be back, and we will talk more uh, of Vagrius of Pontus, because I can't get over how awesome it is to say his name, uh, and uh, and just what what great wisdom that presents. So, Father Rob, thank you for uh, coming back uh, to Catholic Bites. We'll talk with you again shortly. And thank you, everyone, for listening. If you uh, enjoy this podcast, you can find all sorts of other uh, great talks on our website, catholicbites.com. You can also uh, find a lot of stuff. We are partnered with catholiclink.org, uh, which is just a fantastic website with tons of resources uh, for the new evangelization, as well as uh, just a really great YouTube channel. So you can check out all that stuff online. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Thank you and God bless you.